0: Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message. It's good to see all of you today. It's good to see all of you today. Amen. 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 Good to have all of you here. We're going to uh, be discussing today this idea of adaptation, adapting To adapt our lives by adapting the way we think to the way God thinks. This is our final message in this four-part series. Pastor Eric preached two of these messages, and I've preached one. And uh, today will be our final one. I want to share with you from Romans chapter 12 again. If you'll take your Bible, please, and turn to Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Romans 12, verse 2. If you have a Bible handy, please. I mean, everyone should have a Bible. We're giving them away. If you don't have a Bible with you, we want you to take that one that you have, that they gave you. If you don't have a Bible at home, be sure and take that Bible with you. We we believe everybody ought to have a Bible. This is one church that's still stuck on the Bible. We're stuck on the Bible. In fact... One of our meetings with our staff every, uh, every week is a meeting to study the Bible together. I've talked to, I've talked to pastors and, and, and staff members of other churches and other ministries. They said, you, you do what? I said, we get together and we study the Bible as leaders. Really? Do you know that that's an oddity among church leaders? That they get together and study the Bible together? You're not even shocked, are you? But it's, it's an oddity. That they get together and study the Bible together. But we do it here because, well, we're stuck on the Bible and not stuck on ourselves and our own ideas. I'm telling you, if you're going to be stuck on something. You know, the great theologian Bob Dylan was right. You got you got to serve somebody, right? Y'all remember Bob Dylan? Yeah? I was so happy when he started doing Christian music. You know, really, really. I mean, I really liked it. Because I like rock and roll. I got two people that agree with me, but uh... (laughs) the rest of you just being religious, you like it too, but you just don't want to talk about it in church. (laughs) We're still, we're so stuck on the word of God that we even screen what songs we sing in church because you uh, like it or not. Some, some music that's written in, in the name of the Lord and in the name of Christianity. I mean, I'm telling you, Led Zeppelin's black dog is more edifying than some of that stuff. It's embalmed with unbelief. Yeah, I'm not kidding. Terrible. We just don't have it here. Not going to have it here. Not going to have music in the name of Jesus that's full of unbelief. That's right, what would Jesus think? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> All right. So today we're going to finish this up. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Have you found it? It says, "And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God." Did you notice? It did not say, "Be uh, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the growing out of your hair, ladies." <laughs> be ye transformed by the lengthening of your skirt, or be ye transformed by the shaving of your face, sir, or be ye transformed by not wearing makeup, or be ye transformed by. By not listening to rock and roll. Or be you transformed to this world. And be, be you transformed by the... Re- huh? It says you have to renew your mind. You have to renew your mind to the Word of God. Man, some Christians go weird over the craziest things. When I first came into this, they told me that Christ- Christmas trees were of the devil. Christmas trees are of the devil. Yeah, it's a pagan holiday. Well, I finally got over arguing about it. I just say, well, the Bible says I'm, I'm a pagan. <laughs> so I'm going to have a Christmas tree. <laughs> That's what Paul called them. Gentiles, the same word for pagan, right? Just because I got saved didn't make me a Jew. I still eat pig and shrimp and all that other stuff. you heard me talk about this. you heard me talk about these things. You get, I mean, and, and, and it's, it's funny. We think of the craziest things in church. Yeah. Huh? We never, never talk like this out in the world. We only talk crazy when we get to get in church. <laughs> amen. Amen. Jesus didn't die for you to make you a freak. Come on, can I have a good amen here? He didn't die for you to make you a bunch of freaks. He died for you to save you from your sins. Glory be to God. Well, don't you think that stuff is sinful? No, I think you're sinful for being an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. Amen. The Bible tells us what sin is. It does tell us what sin is. And most of that stuff I just mentioned, it's not in the Bible at all. We just make up a bunch of stuff that we want to have rules and regulations because we are so tend, as people, to be minded toward legal things. We so tend to be minded toward legal things. I mean, they're trying to pass one law in Washington, and they've got to write thousands of pages to pass one stinking little bill about health care. It's a mound. It's so big, nobody will even read the thing. But we are so legal-minded. Like it does us any good. Are you hearing me? Yes. Listen, you're never going to be transformed. You will never have a spiritual adaptation or the mental adaptation that the Word of God talks about. Us being transformed into the image of the Lord Jesus. Now, you've been made that way spiritually on the inside. But here, we're not talking about... your your spiritual man being transformed we're talking about your soul pastor Eric says and whether you like it or not the bible is stringent in making a difference between the soul and the spirit most places, they don't talk about it. But the Word of God makes it. In fact, the Word of God is the only place. And Christianity is the only religion. If you want to call us a religion, we're really not. But I mean, if you're, going to, if you're going to class us, Christianity is the only one that ever talks about a distinction between the spirit and the soul. Judaism rarely ever makes a distinction. Islam makes no distinction at all. And uh, you just name the religions. They make no distinction between spirit and soul. Christianity does. And that's why it says in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, uh, I threw this one in on you guys, but I'd like you to put it up there. Hebrews chapter four and verse twelve. The word of God is sharp, quicker and sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing even to the joints and the marrow. What does it say? Dividing asunder of the soul and sp- oh, it divides. The word of God divides between the soul and the spirit, makes a difference between the soul and the spirit. Because when you get born again, your spirit becomes a brand new creature. But you are left with that filthy mind until you do something about it. Can I have a better amen? I mean, it's true. When you get born again, it's a miracle transformation on the inside that you couldn't possibly accomplish. But when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that he died for your sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and he rose again from the dead the third day according to the Scriptures, that simple gospel, when you believe that from the heart, the Bible says you become a brand new creature, and on the inside you're born again. However, you still have the same crazy brain and mind that you went to bed with the night you got saved wake up in the morning still some crazy thoughts i'm not saying that the holy ghost doesn't have an impact on you i'm just saying that over time you're going to see that you will have to with your own spiritual ideas change the way you think in your mind you just will if you went to bed the night you got saved, or the night before you got saved, not liking spinach, the day after you got saved, you went to bed, there's probably little chance that you started liking spinach. I mean, you could have had a miracle, but I'm just telling you, you probably still didn't like spinach. I mean, I went to bed the night I, before I got, I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I, I, went to be, I went to bed not liking chicken. I still don't like Chicken. I know if you're going to invite me over to your house, you were thinking, oh my goodness, I got to get, yeah, don't, don't don't serve chicken if you can. I mean, if I need to bring it, I'll bring it. If I need to bring the steaks, I'll bring them. But bring <laughs> cook them for me. <laughs> I don't like chicken. I know what they eat. Don't ever talk to me about what pigs eat and try to eat, and eat chicken in front of me, because I'll tell you what chickens eat. Woo, mercy. Moving right along. Down shrimp too. <laughs> Anne always says that. She always says, "Yeah, but shrimp eat the same. They're the same." I said, "But I never saw a shrimp eat. I never had to look at that." I did watch the chickens. Romans chapter twelve. But I want you to see something here, powerful. Now we're having fun, but I want you to get a hold of this. He says that you may prove. I looked the word "prove" up. Dokeimazo. It's an interesting word. Why don't you make a friend of the word by saying it? Dokimazo. There you go. Now, anytime you see A-A-Z in Greek, it's generally got a D pronunciation in it. So it's D-O-K-I-M-A-Z-O. Dokimazo, but you pronounce it dokimazo. It means to test, to examine, to prove, to scrutinize, to see whether a thing is genuine or not. Oh, listen to this. It's not talking about you having to prove to the world. He's saying here... Be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove or test what is good and acceptable and perfect will. Isn't it? What he's saying is, the will of God for you is to be blessed. The will of God for you is to be healed. The will of God for you is to prosper. The will of God for you is to have every promise that God ever made to be enacted and enforced in your life. And he says, the only way you'll ever, the only way you'll ever prove that to be true is if you start by transforming the way you think. Well, I tried that stuff. It just didn't work for me. Well, yeah, you tried it. It's not trying it. You have to transform your mind. Transform your mind. And only, only by transforming the way you think, will you ever prove that all that God promised you was true? The promises of God are not for those casual inquirers. The promises of God are for those who diligently seek. Casual inquiry doesn't get you anything. It might stir a hunger to become a diligent seeker, but there's no guarantee that a casual inquiry will get you anything but, you know, a good moment maybe. To have a real change, you have to change your mind. But let me say that. What that really means is you are to prove it is true. The first thing I want to talk to you today about is to prove. Prove it is true. Prove it's true. You can prove it's true. You can prove that everything that God promised is true. There was a scientist who decided that he was going to prove that Our perception of the world, our visual perception of the world was not by virtue of our eyes. But largely by virtue of the mechanisms of the brain. The way the brain translated what came in through the eyes. People used to think the eye, you know, the window of the soul. The eye was everything about sight. This scientist just did not believe that, and he set out to disprove it. So what he did was he created a pair of glasses that when he put them on, the world was upside down to him. He's walking around with the world upside down. Felt like he was walking on the ceiling. And he did this every day, all day long, for weeks, had these things on. Woke up in the morning, his bedroom was upside down. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that? But he kind of went through life, and he just kept moving. He'd have to move gingerly and slowly, but he just kept doing it. Day one, day two, day three, day four. It nearly took two weeks, the article that I read said. It said it took about two weeks. But one morning he woke up, and the world was right side up. The world was right side up, and he still had the glasses on. Everything looked perfectly normal. His brain just turned it over. His brain just, everybody say, adapted. He just adapted. It all looked upside down. He's walking around. Everything's perfect. I mean, it looked upside down a few days ago, but now it's all it's all, all right. It's all perfect. Wow, took a little work, felt a little queasy at times, a little unsure of himself, but he stayed with it, and his mind adapted. Now the story goes, they took the glasses off, and the world was upside down again. Of course, just a day or two later, it swapped back, and went right, they reverted back so easily. This is an encouraging message today, but there's a bit of a warning in it. Did you just hear the warning? I mean, there's a bit of a warning in it in that if you stop this, if you stop in your transformation, you revert back real easy. I mean, how many of you have just been going along, serving the Lord, living for Jesus, won somebody to Christ a day or two ago, you know, and you finally stop complaining about tithing and and, and going, you know, we're just real involved in church, and all of a sudden something happens, snap, bang, and you say the wrong thing. I'm not asking for anybody to raise your hand. Put your hand down, ma'am. You don't need to raise your hand. You think they were? Oh my God! Where'd that come from? I was just doing so good. I was just doing so well. well. I didn't know that was in me, huh? The transformation. You have to stay with it. Just keep the glasses on. It doesn't feel right. I promise you. If you stay with this, you will adapt. That's right. But you don't ever find. You don't ever. As long as you're in this natural body, you don't ever have a time to say, Okay, I've arrived. Let's take the glasses off. Everything's going to be cool. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. Not as long as you're in this flesh. The Bible teaches us that this flesh is at enmity against God and every day. That's why he said that tongue is a non ruling You have to ride herd on that thing all the time. Remember my teaching, the teaching on the zebra? The zebra in your mouth? Huh? Remember? because you can break a horse you can break a donkey but you can't break a zebra but one day at a time because if he goes to sleep and he wakes up he's forgotten who in the world you are (laughs) it's like he just arrived huh yeah tongue is an untamable animal that's what it means it's not a domestic animal (laughs) i mean you got a perfectly domestic little life you know Perfectly domestic shave, got a perfectly domestic uh, set of eyes. Got everything. Everything's domestic about you, except that wild zebra in your mouth. Untamable has to be broken every day. Guarded all the time. My heart's doing real good. My mind's doing okay. That tongue is the thing. See, huh? And it's so connected to to how you feel and how you think. It's just. Right there. That's why these transformations have to be a constant walk. You know, I, I love the fact that we serve a miracle God. How many of you are thankful that God still works miracles? I am so thankful for that, that he, he's worked miracles in my life. And I've had these moments, these events that were just amazing, wonderful times. You know what I'm talking about, Brother Don? I mean, you've had miracles in that law enforcement that you've done where, where the bullet... I mean, was intended and probably by all physical standards should have gone right through you. But for some reason, it missed you. I mean, it's just, you know, miracles of God. Thank God for me. How many of you have had miracles and you're thankful? I've had miracles and I'm thankful for them. But I'm going to tell you something. The Bible doesn't really guarantee you miracles. uh, I I hope that I'm not the first person to ever have to tell you that, but the Bible does not guarantee miracles. The Bible guarantees supernatural experiences with God, and it guarantees that if you will believe God, all things are possible. But there's no guarantee just because you're saved you get miracles. Now, God is merciful. God is good. And he does like to work miracles. We don't always understand why a miracle happens. You think, well, why did that happen? I wasn't even particularly doing anything especially spiritual. Well, that's just God. He's just a good God and a, and a kind God. But if a miracle doesn't happen, he's given you the power and the, and the wherewithal to walk by faith so that you're still living in that supernatural flow. Can I have a good amen? It's, it's true. He wants you to be able to experience supernatural things, supernatural occurrences by your faith. But hear me. Hear me. You're going to have to prove it's true. You're going to have to prove it by the way you... Transform your mind. Without a renewed mind, you will hear about someone who tried it and failed, and you will accept their experience as the truth. Without a renewed mind, you'll hear about somebody who tried it and they failed, and you will accept their experience as the truth. Well, I know my grandmother was in faith. She was a good person, and she was believing God, and she died anyway. I mean, listen, I've heard that story so many times. I probably even said it at some point. But I decided I wasn't going to have granny's faith. I'm going to have the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. You get his faith, you don't make those kind of excuses. No matter how many grannies died. Okay? John seventeen, 17. Let's look there real quick. Jesus says the most profound thing. He always said profound things. Nobody liked Jesus. John 17, 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Now here, this tells you something about the transformation of your mind. Put the word first. Prove that it's true and put the word first. Put the word first. You ought to tell two people. You need to put the word of God first in your life. Put the word first put the word first. You get that pain in your body, quote the word of God. That doctor says something about your physical well-being, quote the word of God. The banker says, I don't think so. Quote the word of God. Amen. The teacher says, you're going to fail. Quote the word of God. Well, you might all be quoting the word of God before it gets to that point, but... <laughs> But you quote the Word of God. Put the Word first in your life. Get up in the morning and read the Word. Go to bed at night and read the Word. Listen, I, I, I read at night. Miss Ann reads in the morning. I read at night. I like reading at night because it sort of washes away the day for me and gives me something better to dream on. She gets up in the morning and gets her day going with it. So I guess that's the difference between, you know, our... our, our uh, She gets us through the day, she said, so I guess. (laughs) But put the word first in your life. I mean, make it a priority. I'm not saying it has to be the first minute or the first hour, but I'm just saying it has to be, has to have a priority. If there's any going to be any real transformation, you've got to put the word first. Put the word first. It, it, It will make a difference in your daily life, but I promise you, it will make a difference in your life over a long period of time. This has changed us us being daily bible readers and studying the bible every day we don't we don't do it because we're in ministry i know what you're thinking you think well yeah you're a preacher you're supposed to read the bible every day well we did it before we were in the ministry it's kind of the reason why we wound up in the ministry i think you understand what i'm saying Whatever you're preparing for, you ought to really prepare for it before you see it. You young preachers in this room, I know there's several of you young preachers in this room, act like you're in the ministry now. All right, enough of that. 3 John chapter 2. 3 John chapter 2 says, I wish above all things, beloved, that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. I looked this up, this word prosper. Amazing word in the Greek. Eu-do-o. oeuodoo o They always make you pronounce both all the letters. They say Greek is the most honest language in the world because you have to pronounce there are no silent letters in it. eu o Well, how about that E at the beginning of it? eu do Anyway, you know what I'm, what I'm getting at. eu o It means to grant... A prosperous and expeditious journey to lead by a direct, hear me, an easy way to grant a successful issue to cause to prosper, to prosper and be successful. So when he says here in 3 John 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper. He's saying, I wish above all things that you would have the easy way and be in health even as your soul takes the easy way. Why do we have it in our minds that the carnal way is the easy way. The Bible teaches that God wants to give you the really easy way. Don't forget what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11. Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me for my yoke is... easy Easy. and my burden is light see the way of God is the easy way all you Christians are just looking for the easy way out yeah call us geniuses if you will but we want the easy way out it's the will of God for you to have the easy way listen that life of sin and sinful thinking is a hard task master there's nothing easy about a life full of sin And carnal pleasures, they are pleasures for a season, but there's such a high price tag to it. He's trying to give you the easy way. I wish above all things that you would have the easy way. I love that. I could hardly believe it jolted me back to the words of Jesus. I'm going to give you an easy yoke. You don't even realize you have so accustomed yourself to this hard yoke. You think it's the normal way. The devil has so ingrained it in our minds that the way we think is just, well, it's just natural. It's just natural. I'm just a man. Man's got needs. Oh, really? Oh, really? Huh? It's not the natural way. The natural way was what happened in the garden. You're living under the burden of the knowledge of good and evil. Did you notice? And didn't even realize it is a burden? Oh, I'd follow the Lord, but I'm afraid he'll send me to the Philippines. Like that would be hard. Huh? I mean, he could send you to Oklahoma. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. I'm from Oklahoma, so I can make the joke. say the easy way you o die <laughs> who said learning from the Lord had to be hard I trained ponies when I was on the farm in Oklahoma and I remember putting that bridle on that, that halter on that one pony he was so smart put that halter on him hooked that clip on him and started trying to lead him. And my way was to make them pets get right up under his chin and, and lead him this way. And if he didn't, and if he wanted to fight, well, then I'd have to get out on the end of it. And I'd just hold the pressure on him until he gave up. Even if he reared up, <laughs> pull him back down and just keep the pressure on him until he took a step forward. And as soon as he took a step forward, let up a little bit. He'd think, oh. Now, that first day, I'm going to tell you, I never was successful in leading and teaching a, a horse how to lead the first day. But man, that second day, it was over. Because when you put that halter back on that sore head, his ears are so tender, his face is tender. Everything about that head is hurt and tender. You put that halter back on, and say, come along, son. He's ready to go then, man. <laughs> No fuss about it on day two. Huh? <laughs> And you just know you just got to put in the time making him sore, making him hurt that first day. See, this is all it really is. And he found out that he actually loved being ridden. He loved He Found out his purpose. Found out his purpose. He loved it. Sometimes he'd just, just come and rub on me and hope, hope that I'd want to go riding. He loved it because he knew all these tricks that taught him all kinds of things. He loved it, found a purpose for living. Don't you understand that when Jesus puts his yoke on you, he's really just trying to give you your purpose in life. You were created for God. Strapped with the knowledge of good and evil. Jesus, don't forget, cursed that fig tree. When the fig tree offered the last Adam leaves, he cursed it to death. And then when his disciples saw it, he turned and said to them, Have faith in God. And I say to you today, some of you, all of us are on different levels in our walk with God. And no one has any right to point a finger at somebody else. We're all in this together. And we're all on different levels. Are you hearing me? But wherever you are in your walk, just keep walking. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. You may feel like you're on the first rung. Have faith in God. You may feel like you're way at the top. You're probably not, but have faith in God. (laughs) You may feel like you're in the middle, lost in the crowd. Have faith in God. Wherever you are. It's a good thing to have faith in God. It's a good thing to be told by somebody, have faith in God. Because somebody says, have faith in God, that doesn't mean that that's some sort of indictment. When did we get so touchy and so sensitive about that? When somebody says, have faith in God, rather than saying, oh, I have faith, like the religious Pharisees do, when they say that to you, why don't you say, thank you. God bless you. I appreciate that. You're right. I'm going to. Huh? Come on, tell two people, encourage them right now, have faith in God. Come on, tell somebody. Have faith in God. Amen. Your money and your health will prosper as your mind and soul prosper. John 8, 31, and I'm finished. John 8, 31 and 32 says, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, verse 32 says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The last thing I want to say to you is prepare for freedom. Prepare for freedom. Transformation is for your freedom. Transformation is not to free God from anything. Ladies and gentlemen, he has never been bound to anything but his word and his promises. That means you can prepare for freedom. Would you bow your heads just for a minute? Now, a few moments ago in this message, I told you what it means to be saved. I said, simple faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, believing that Christ died for our sins, your sins, personally, that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. The Word of God is stronger than all your sins. The Word of God is stronger than all the troubles that you've ever had. There's never been been an event of your life that was injurious to you, wounding to you, difficult for you. Never been a one that God's power is not capable of rectifying and healing and changing. I want to speak to those who are in this place today who have never known this wonderful thing called the new birth, who've never known what it means to have your sins forgiven. It's the greatest invitation this church or any church can offer you. We have a lot to offer, the friendship of great people, wonderful praise and worship music, a youth program that's like none other in this city. Powerful, powerful pastoral staff and and covering for your life in those areas where you have need. But the greatest thing we have to offer is this gift of salvation. It's not our offer really. It's just something we're passing along. God made this offer to all men. Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and he was buried. And he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. The Bible says, if you will believe that message, that you too will be changed. In a miracle fashion inside, you become a new creature. Old things will pass away, and behold, all things will become new. Now, I know you're here today, and I'm not going to belabor this. But I have to ask you, if you're in this building this morning and you say, preacher, you're talking to me, I want to know Jesus as my own Savior. I want to be right with God. I want to know that if I were to die somehow, that I would go to heaven. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand right now. I want to pray for you. Wherever you are, just lift your hand right where you are. And don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. It doesn't make any difference. Everybody in this building had this experience at some time or another. And we're pulling for you. We want you to know God. We want you to know the freedom from sin. Come to Christ and receive his mercy and his grace. Anyone in the building today? All right. Let's stand upon our feet. Praise the name of the Lord. (laughs)